This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Big old seven point, biggest seven point I've ever seen. He's walking roughly 20 yards from me, and he is locked on me. The doe's hot, so he's there following the doe, but he's locked on me. So I know he hadn't been there before because all the deer don't care about the blind. He cares about the blind, mm-hmm. so he's a new buck. Um, never had a picture of him or anything, so he skirts around me, and every every few seconds he'll turn and look at the doe. She's going to the feeder. He'll turn and look at the doe to make sure she's still there, and then he's right back locked onto me. So I notice his pattern, so every time he looks at that doe, I'm slowly moving. I'm slowly grabbing my bow because I know that legal light's going to come, and hopefully I'm going to have a shot at this deer. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Oh, obsession podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another Fall Obsession podcast episode driven by our friends over at the Ridge Rock Hunt Company. We'll talk more about them at the end of the episode. I am Sam with Fall Obsession. Happy to be back with you guys again for another podcast. It's been a minute and we're trying to get this thing ramped back up to our uh, frequency of every single week with hunting season wrapping up and everything now. Um, I'm joined here in Deer Camp once again. I know we've done this before, but with my dad, Mark, sitting here in camp. Hello, everybody. Good to have you back on, Dad. Well, if it sounds a little bit different for you guys, um, that's because we're kind of winging it here. (laughs) Recording with uh, an iPhone, actually. Um, We don't have our full setup here in camp with us. Kind of decided to record one out of the blue for you guys. So if it sounds a little different, apologize for that. Again, don't have our normal setup, but... It is the last week of Texas deer season, and we're out here trying to fill a couple doe tags that we have left in our pockets and 
put some more meat in the freezer. So on that note too, if you guys, we're going to talk today kind of about our, our ending thoughts as we're finishing year number one on this new property in Texas. And I'll give you guys a little kind of a preface for what we have here. If you're new to fall obsession of the podcast or a series, but um, we have a, a video series on our YouTube channel called Texas Dirt, um, where we've documented everything that we've gone through so far. First year setting up on this 800 plus acre property that we have now in Texas. It's raw. There's a bunch of deer out here, but it's it's never been touched really, um, as far as hunting goes. So we're really we've been trying to to make do with what we got this first year and. We're concluding year number one and now looking ahead to year number two. And I know even today, Dad, you and I have been talking a lot about kind of what the future is going to hold with uh, upcoming setups and stuff for 2022. That's right. And and let me ask you, let's start off, let me ask you a question. And that is, as we wind up our first year on this lease, uh, what are some of the high points, low points, things you remember, things that were frustrations for you as we wind up this first year on a, a brand new lease that's never been hunted before. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start with the high points. Um, obviously, the animals that we did take off of here are, are high points. Um, it, it wasn't as many as we had hoped for, but, um, you know, you, you shot a pig and you ended up getting a couple does later in the season. I shot a doe out of my bow blind. Um, I know Nick's dad and their their family. They killed a couple deer and a pig off of here. So there's been there's been animals taken. Um, those are definitely high points. You always get excited to have you know all the hard work and everything pay off and put some deer on the ground. Um, unrelated to actually killing, I think it's been exciting to see to see the number of deer out here because there are a lot of deer out here right and a high point for me it can also be a low point but a high point for me is getting to do this is getting to be on a property like this and take it from square one and it's it's a learning curve because we've none of us have ever done that before um and on a property this size on top of that so try just trying to figure out not only setups where to put stuff what the deer do but also just what works what doesn't work and hindsight looking back you know have our scouting tactics been beneficial has you know could we have done more of this less of this you know and 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 we'll talk about that but um you know being able just to learn and experience all that i think is a high point because you know not a lot of hunters get to do that and it i think it's really cool that we actually get to out here you know, so, um, hunt specifically, there's one hunt that stands out in my mind and it will to some extent be in the Texas dirt series. Um, but there was one hunt during the rut. It was actually the hunt that I did kill my doe in off of my stand. But y'all see in the Texas dirt series, there's a, a 10 point buck that hindsight, I probably should have shot. Um, but <laughs> I, at the time I was saving it for my wife. Um, that deer was all over, it it was in the middle of the rut and that hunt that morning, and this part is not in Texas dirt. Um, this part is happening before daylight and 
cam no camera light or anything, no real time to set up a camera. But the morning I killed my doe, I was sitting in my blind, and the morning before I had seen a couple does come out um, before legal shooting lights, so you can just make out their silhouettes. And these two deer came out in the exact same spot once again, so I'm assuming they're those two does. First one's small, the second one's a big body deer, so I'm thinking I'm going to shoot a doe right out of the gate. Well, then that second one grunts, so I know it's not a doe. And I put my <laughs> binoculars up. Again, we're not at legal light yet, but there's it's we're at that point where there's enough light that if it's close enough to you, you can see what it is in your binoculars. So I put my binoculars up and look, and there's this giant frame deer buck looking at me. And I'd never seen this deer before. He was wide, far outside his ears. He's probably 18 inches wide or so. Um... And he's a seven point. He's got three, or excuse me, four on one side and then three on the other side, just a fork. We, and it, for those of you who don't know, we in Texas count the, the brow tines or eye guards as some refer to them as, as points. So big old seven point, biggest seven point I've ever seen. He's walking roughly 20 yards from me and he is locked on me. The doe's hot. So he's there following the doe, but he's locked on me so i know he hadn't been there before because all the deer don't care about the blind mm. he cares about the blind mm. so he's a new buck um never had a picture of him or anything so he skirts around me and every every few seconds he'll turn and look at the doe she's going to the feeder he'll turn and look at the doe to make sure she's still there and then he's right back locked on me so i notice his pattern so every time he looks at that doe i'm slowly moving i'm slowly grabbing my bow because i know that legal light's going to come and hopefully I'm going to have a shot at this deer. Mm -hmm. He makes his way around to the left side of my blind, which is perfect because I'm a right-handed archer. And he's broadside. I range him at 21 yards looking at me. And I'm watching my phone screen waiting for it to say that it's legal shooting light. And finally it hits. I'm like, all right, this is it. So I reach up to turn my sight light on, turn it on. And as I'm bringing my hand back, to get my release to draw back my bow the velcro cuff on my jacket barely just barely touches <laughs> the bowstring and it doesn't even make a loud sound like you even some people might think it make a loud sound it didn't it was barely a tap and that was all he needed to leave the area mm. he, just, he just turned his head and walked away he knew he didn't want to be there anymore yeah. so he was gone and so i'm bummed he walks back behind me on a trail that goes behind the blind is how he leaves out of there the doe stays, and then two more does come in. So I'm th the whole time I'm thinking, he might come back out. Like, the hot doe he was on is still out there. He might come back out. So I'm holding off, holding off, holding off. And finally, he made a big circle around me. And finally, on the next clearing over, I catch a glimpse of him walking away from me. So at that point, it's like, all right, he's, he's gone. So he's out of there. So I'm like, I'm going to shoot a doe. So I shot my doe, one of the bigger ones. Um, she only ran 20 yards and dropped, um, slick trick went right through her. And then after that though, is really when the morning got interesting. And this is why I talk about it with a high point, because this was just one of the most intriguing hunts I've ever had from this point forward. I've already killed a deer, but it's only seven 30 in the morning and it's rut. So I'm going to sit longer. So I'm, I'm just, I'm hanging out, I'm sitting there and the does are kind of in and out. And all of a sudden here comes that 10 point. And it's the same buck that y'all see up close and personal in the Texas dirt series on our YouTube channel. 
But this buck just comes running in and starts dogging does big time. And he's all over the place back and forth again. I've in my mind at the time I'm like, I'm gonna save this deer for my wife, so I'm not gonna shoot him. Again, I should have shot him. But and I'll, at this point too, I also have that seven point in my mind because he was I mean a ten point yeah has more points, but the seven point was a bigger, more mature more deer. Impressive. More impressive deer. And at that point I was dedicated to trying to kill that buck. You think that was a dominant buck in the area? The for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Just you well, I'll finish my story and I'll talk about that seven point here. But I that ten points dog and does running around and everything, and then two different younger eight points, like three and a half year old deer, both at different points in the morning come into that clearing and he just runs them out of there wow. like he's just it, and it was just really cool because at that point the sun's coming up it's a little bit windy it's hitting the dew on the ground and it's just like i sat there and i was like it's a painting in front of me mm-hmm. just the way that the sun was hitting these deer and everything it was just it was beautiful is what it was and i then just watching them run around and him chasing these younger bucks and chasing these does and then you know them trying to creep back in there and the does are just trying to eat corn I mean, it's just <laughs> it was it was really fun to watch it was just one of those mornings that you were sad when it ended because it was entertaining and mm-hmm. it flew by mm-hmm. you know it this time time flew so mm-hmm. that was as far as an actual hunting experience that morning was by far the best time I had. Great, yeah, the best great. time i had out here so mm-hmm. yeah but you, you talked about the seven point i'll speak a little bit to that buck that was the first time we saw him he stayed in the area um got a couple pictures of him on camera finally not long after that um but then he disappeared for a while and you always think whenever one of your target bucks disappear somebody else got him somewhere else well then over kind of mid-december on through christmas him and this other eight point that we also have in our video series um they started just they teamed up and they were coming in all the time, every single time, just every clockwork. Day, clockwork every morning, until the last week of regular season when you can kill a buck. When I decided to come out here, and of course then they decided to come at four a.m. instead <laughs> of seven thirty. So, um, that was fun. But and and I'm just I'm trying to learn the deer. I'm trying to learn his home range because as we've learned this week, we now have pictures of him, my seven point, pretty much taking up residence in the area where your stand is. That's a mile and a half away. A mile and a half away from mine. Right. So, he's he, he's a very interesting deer to watch, and I hope he he's he's made it through the season because now we're in just late doe only season here right. in Texas. Mm-hmm. So he's made it through the season, and I'm hoping that he sticks around for next October. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as as far as low points, I think. Uh, you know, I think there's two major ones. They're pretty obvious is one, not filling your tags, you know, because I mean, while this is our first year on the property, we did have high expectations, uh, you know, I feel like for filling our tags. So that, that was a, a low point, not being able to do that, not being able to shoot a buck because I was pretty certain I would be able to kill a buck with my bow and I haven't shot a whitetail buck in eight years now. So I was pretty certain I'd end that drought this year. And well, you were selective because that 10-point kept yes. walking out on you and had it at 10 feet. So. Yeah, and it is, it is certainly not for lack of opportunity. I've had every opportunity to kill a buck this year. It, it is my own decision, and I'll own that. But, yeah. um, you know, we 
again, trying to be management minded and passed on some deer that in years past we, we would have shot. So, um, that, and then lack of setups really. And I know we were, we were late to the party as far as getting set up this year after we, you know, signed the paperwork and got on the property and everything. My first trip out here to set stuff up was Labor Day weekend. So we, we were behind the ball with that. Um, so it certainly would have helped to have more setups because I'm sure people probably get bored in the video series eventually seeing me hunt the same spot over and over again. But, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot else going for us out here. Right. And that's something I think, and we'll get into it, I know, but some something we could certainly see expect to see change in year number two. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. I'll bounce it right back at you, though. Your highs and lows, frustrations, et cetera. I think uh, I... I, I... I, I'm in agreement with you. It's it's awesome to be out here. There are great opportunities um, for us, and I'm, I'm we're great grateful to be here, and also to have Robbie and Nick with us too. Right, because all of all four of us are management minded. You know, we we have the same goal mm-hmm. long term, and that may not always happen on a deer lease. Absolutely, and especially deer lease. And this is uh, again, I think that one of the frustrations is this is probably more than twice as big as you and I have ever hunted. Correct. You know, we hunted down in uh, Central Texas, and it was like 329, I think, was the least we yeah. had. And this one, and so I think some of the frustration is that there's, where do you start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you start, you know? And we see deer everywhere, and I think, for me, a frustration was the lack of setups. Like you said, we got to the party late, so... I kind of get tired of going the same blind. You know? Yeah, and, absolutely. And and, and 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 hunters out here know what I'm talking about. And you like to have different setups for different times of the year, and um, so and we'll have we'll we'll do that different. We'll do that next year. We'll remedy that probably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another frustration for me is I I'm not as true a shot as I used to be. I missed a few shots that I, I should have had. I had a big buck in front of me, got buck fever, and mm-hmm. a big eight point. It was wide and. I pulled my shot, and I knew I, as soon as I sh- pulled the trigger, I knew I pulled my shot. So things like that's a frustration. Um, of course, high points are, as you said, is, is filling some tags out here that mm-hmm. we've gotten and, you know, put some meat in the freezer, and that's what the goal is of what we're doing. Out here. One of the goals of what we're doing out here. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the, just in an in a encapsulated, you know, some things I, I'm thinking right now. Right. You know. Absolutely. And and to build upon that and kind of transition into the adjustments to make from that to year number two, we spent a lot of time today um, in the afternoon in between morning and evening hunts driving some of our main roads through the property, talking about different areas of the property and what we might be able to do to take advantage of the area. Because what it comes down to is there are deer everywhere out here. And, I, and I'll, I'll touch on our scouting techniques is, you know, we, we listened and heard a lot of guys from various stages in their own whitetail management in different states, wherever it might be. As we led into this property, we listened to other people talk to us about, you know, how, how they're moving cameras constantly, how they're scouting different areas, they're trying to learn the deer and everything. And that's kind of the major tactic that we took up. I, I can't tell you how many times I've moved trail cameras this year <laughs> since we've been out here. I've, I've never moved trail cameras that much. Right. Almost, other than the cameras on your stand and mine, every single camera out here has been moved more than once. Right. And it's just trying to learn the property and learn the deer. 
But I feel like initially what I was expecting, just in my own mind, was to find a spot that just like was overloaded with deer. Right. And that's not what we found. We would find we would catch a camera and and see that the deer are passing through, and we'll be like, all right, well, we're going to move it to another spot and see if this spot's any better. And then we find at that spot the deer are just passing through. Well, that's this entire property. There are pockets, there are sanctuaries of hardwoods in this property that the deer live on, or and we haven't we haven't bailed off into any of those and put a camera in any of those. We don't plan to. We've had cameras on the edges of them, like we should, but just the deer pass through this property. They they transition from hardwoods to hardwoods basically is what we've looked at there's these little there's these hills throughout the property with big like big acres clumps of hardwoods on top of them thick stuff where the deer live Mm -hmm. and then they drop the terrain drops down into these little valleys or bowls where it's just grass it's kind of rigid terrain and mesquites and they pass through there going from one to the other and forage their way across. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. So learning that and learning just how, if anything we learn, we learn how full the property is a deer. Like, yeah, you move a camera somewhere and you see them passing through, but you're still seeing deer there. The, like I said, the deer are passing through everywhere. So for year number two, you know, we've been looking for spots where we can put our sets, put our setups next year. But... Really what it's going to come down to is putting in a setup that is best for us as the hunters mm-hmm. and letting the deer come to it. Right. Because, and, you know, not to sound cliche, but if you build it, they will come it's out true. here. That I mean, that's that's really the, the type of property that this is. So I know we've talked specifics about, like, moving your stand because your stand is kind of more... They have to pass through a big area, that forage area, to get to your to your food source right. out there, and they have to come out of their comfort zone of you know the protection of those those trees or those little pockets a little bit to get there. Right. So we t- you know and and you and I have talked about moving that stand, for example, closer into one of those tree lines or those little pockets, just so that they feel more comfortable coming to it. They don't have to travel so far out there. Yeah. It, it's not a bad spot. Yeah. But there's a better spot for it. Oh yeah, and I think that's just the what we're gonna have to determine moving forward is the the good spots from the better spots. Right. So. And, and what we're doing, listeners, we're also we we've desi- we're trying to designate some areas that are we call sanctuaries, mm-hmm. where we will not hunt. They will be safe. You know, in, in the in the on the hilltop, among all the hardwoods, we will not go into the bedroom, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah. they feel safe there, and they come out of there. You know to. Yeah. go across the property yeah you out here it you know where the deer live it, it just from watch sitting in our stand watching enough driving down the road seeing seeing where they're traveling the cameras that we have moved around we know where they live so now we just have to make the determination of where where we're going to hunt them from right so and this property for those who are not familiar with whitetail hunting in the south this property is not the kind of property where you can drive around or walk around and do a lot of spot and stock because even from the main roads a lot of stuff looks thick it just looks like mesquites and some of that's going to be cleared out but then you drive around enough and you find 
you turn down the right road, you find these pockets, you find these bowls, you find these sanctuaries and stuff that they're in. And it's very, like Dad said, it's very important to leave those sanctuaries alone, to not go bailing off in there, because you know they're there. You have to just, you have to hunt the edges of them to your advantage. And, and and even off my stand, you know where I hunt is uh, you could you could walk up there and, and disappear in a gully mm-hmm. where you you can't be seen from my stand. You know you see them on top of the gully and then they drop down to the bottom of that and you can't see them. So they're traveling even like that creek bed we talked about today. You know get in the bottom of that creek bed and yeah. get a bow set up in there because they got they're going to run that creek bed versus you know through through mesquites where they got to wind around the. From the road, and, and I say road, I'm talking about just the the gravel road that's private that drives through the property. From the road, the land is very deceiving. Yes. Because you look out there and you just see what looks like flat grass and mesquites, or open even, and you start walking it, and it's nowhere near that. You, there's <laughs> these drops and these little, uh, I don't even know what you call them, but it... There are there are literally pockets and just little draws that run through these things that from the top of the hill you can't even see them, mm-hmm. but the deer can travel through them almost undetected. Yes. So, and I know you've seen that more than anybody with your stand. Just they'll pop up out of nowhere. You you know, they could have been out in front of you for twenty minutes and yeah, you literally is. wouldn't see them. Right. So, and and then this first year, all the frustration. One of the frustrations also has been that. Uh, we have to use the roads, the gravel roads. Mm-hmm. And we don't have. Hopefully, we'll add an ATV or a side by side this next year. You know that we can get across property or like like talking about this, you know, undeceiving property. Yeah, so. yeah. We we've been a little limited with the with just having to get the truck everywhere we have, and I mean not limited as in like you know mud or anything. We I came close one time, but we haven't gotten stuck. Knock on wood yet, you know, but. Um, yeah, that having just an ATV to get around is going to be a huge difference in, you, you know, you can go a little bit farther back in there and one, be able to get a setup farther back in there. But then if you're actually going somewhere to hunt, you can drive back in there, park that ATV in the trees where it's hidden and be close to your stand, mm-hmm. you know. I know when you park your truck, you got to walk in 500 yards to your, you know, one of your stands, you know, one of your setups. Well, no, not from, not from that one. From okay. from the well road that we were on today, it was 500 yards, but the, the road that I normally park on is at a different spot. Okay. So, but yeah, it, I mean, it's still it's still a walk. It's still probably 150 200 yards, yeah. which I don't mind, you know. But I mean, an ATV just is going to give us more options in the long run. Mm-hmm. So, but we have we got plans. We and I, and I do see as things develop probably the. The number of trail cameras that we're moving around every year will decrease because we'll get more comfortable with our setups. I see us having trail cam a, a camera on every setup, obviously, but then we'll probably limit where we're moving cameras to to the trails coming in and out of each of those setups, mm. just to because you know I've seen from my stand, you know, I you sit there, the camera shows you what's at the food source, right. But I sit there and I see deer that skirt the food source. So I can put cameras on the outside edges to see what's skirting. Because the bucks normally, I mean, with the exception of a few out here, the big bucks don't normally hit those food sources until later. 
Right. We've seen that with the seven, like that seven point, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't show up till the rut, but then he didn't start hitting the food source until later on after the rut was over. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what you see from a mature deer out here. After that seven point, are there any other deer that you've seen, bucks that you've seen that we didn't see early in the year or that you didn't see on camera? Nothing that big. So I, I have high hopes for what our, our bucks are going to look like because we had so many bucks this year that seemed like they were borderline. We had some definite shooters, like the big eight at your stand, right. the seven point this year at mine, I would call a shooter. I expect that deer, I, I'm I'm guessing that deer would probably be five. I'm suspecting him to be bigger next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had some definite shooters, but a lot of the bucks we've been looking at are like three and four and right there borderline. Like you see them, you want to shoot them, it's a nice deer, but you're not going to because next you have to think about next year Mm -hmm. and i think we're gonna have a lot of that there's an eight point that tempted me multiple times still probably would have if i had another shot at him in both season i probably or general season i probably would have put an arrow in him unfortunately so it's probably a good thing he didn't show back up but another eight point that's just a younger deer and he is beautiful and next year he's going to be an absolute stud Mm -hmm. and how old I'm putting him at four okay. this year is what I've aged him at. And then we got plenty of little eight points that are three. Um, and, you know, some yearlings and two-year-olds obviously are all over the place. So I, I have high hopes for for what the bucks are going to look like next year as long as these deer stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, you you start to learn and start to tell what what the dominant, you know, where the dominant bucks are. And that's what was curious to me about my seven-point move in a mile and a half and kind of mm-hmm. finding a new spot to call home was I know bucks have a longer range but from everything I could tell he was the dominant buck in the area down by my blind on the south side and all of a sudden he's on the north side where from what you can see yeah yeah <laughs> where, where you're at yeah. and I mean from what I, I and I have yet to see here in the late season up there on camera a bigger buck that could be you know challenging him for that dominant buck spot up here so I, I I wish I knew more about what drove him up here, and if a listener does or has a suspicion, they can feel free to comment or send us a message. But, um, yeah, that was very, very surprising because all year you and I have seen different deer mm-hmm. at our stands. We've never seen the same deer at both, and now we do. Mm-hmm. So, strange. And he, yeah, and he seems to be on the north side pretty, pretty regularly now. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've got him on two different cameras now in, in that same area, so he's he's definitely definitely hanging out up there you know pretty consistently so well as we go into the into the second year let me ask you are you all in i'm all in this is this is the start over with that take that out nick this is the property that we've been waiting on because it's no secret if you know anything about hunting in texas you know that deer leases are hard to come by and they're expensive and I'm not saying that this one's cheap by any means, but it's certainly competitive in the market. And we have always wanted, we've been picky. We've always wanted something that um, we could lay some groundwork on, that we could be involved in the management process on, and that wasn't overloaded with people. And that ideally had people that we knew on it. And that's exactly what this is. Yes, We are literally... We're not only involved in square one, we are square one. I mean, we're, we're laying every bit of this foundation on this property. Right. And so whatever we want this property to be, 
we have the opportunity to make it. Right. And nobody's going to do anything. I say we as in the four of us. Nobody is going to be doing their own thing out here. Everybody is communicating and talking to each other about what they would like to do and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's a big enough property that we have our own deer. You know, I mean, 800 acres is no thousands or tens of thousands of acres, certainly. But it's enough property to have your own deer and do your own thing and see results from it. And I have high hopes for that. And then obviously being on here, like you said, with Nick and Robbie, who we know personally prior to getting on this lease and who share the same mindset as us, that's that's 100% what we've been looking for. So, yes, I'm all in for year number two and three and four, and we're going to keep this thing going. So I think it'd be interesting to have uh, hear Robbie and Nick's perspective too. Yeah, you know, year one going into year two, and like you and I have talked several times, but you know, yeah, their voices haven't been heard on the podcast about I, this. I know Nick; he's he's joined us on the podcast for a couple of episodes, kind of at the beginning of the season. I I agree. I definitely like to get something with with them on here or all four of us or something i think it'd be a good conversation so nothing on the books yet for that but hopefully that's coming so but you all in i'm all in i'm ready for it um you know i think um the the future possibilities are still daunting but it's 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 awesome when you know what we if we can do what we want to do and yeah you know it's, it's small steps we took some small steps this year. Next year, you know, we'll have more setups. We'll have more, you know, cameras. We'll have more this and that and, you know, opportunity. And, and I think we'll, you know, hopefully fill our tags. <laughs> I agree. This year, we've learned the property and we've learned the deer. And not to say that there's still not more property to learn or more deer to learn, but we've learned enough about each to be able to take advantage of it. And yes. so next year, we're taking advantage of it. So. Right. Well, Dad, thanks for jumping on here with me for half hour or so, whatever it ended up being. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Before we go to bed at 8.30 in deer camp. (laughs) You always go to bed earlier in deer camp. Yeah, your dinner was good. Always tastes better at deer camp, too. Always tastes better. Venison burgers at deer camp. It's pretty good. Well, guys, thank you all for listening to uh, another Fall Obsession podcast episode. Um, Again, I know I said this the last episode we recorded with Tim Burgess, but... Um, we are trying to get back in the groove of having one of these out for you guys every single Monday morning. Um, I, I am filling up my podcast recording schedule, so we do have more episodes coming. So please stay tuned. And if you have not already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We're on all major podcast platforms, and our episodes are also on our YouTube channel and fallobsession.com. That's our website. That's our hub. That's where you guys can go to find all of our content our video series, photos, uh, educational articles, wild game recipes, product reviews, you name it, we got it. Our online store's on there. We got some awesome apparel on there right now for you guys. Got some hats back on the way finally, so you guys go check out what we got there. Um, fallobsession.com slash podcast is the podcast page on our website. That's where you guys can go to not only find our episodes, but also provide us some feedback on our podcast. If you have anything you'd like to say or suggest, we'd love to hear it. And on that note, we are planning ahead for episode 100. It's on the horizon. It's coming up pretty quick, only a few weeks to go. Um, 
what we're going to do is it's going to be a, a discussion between all four Fall Obsession uh, administrative guys, including myself. Um, that's never happened before. We've never had all four of us together. And we're going to talk about um, just kind of our journey through Fall Obsession. We're going to talk about um, some of our highlights from the podcast and everything, some episodes or guests that we've really enjoyed having on here. And we're also going to give you guys a chance to um, ask your own questions. So that's when I refer to the form on that page on fallobsession.com slash podcast. That's what I want you guys to do is if you have a question or some general feedback on the podcast or anything you'd like to provide us that you would like us to bring up in episode 100, go to that page and throw it on there for us. And we will discuss it and bring it up uh, in that episode coming up. So... Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube channel. we got videos rolling out all the time right now, including our new My Obsession series and the Texas Dirt series that we've talked about um, in this podcast, so go check that out, guys. Uh, and finally, like I said at the beginning, shout out to our partners over at Ridge Rock Hunt Company, new partner for us for 2022, Derek and Lacey over there. They are a... A hunt booking agency if you need a hunt with an outfitter a vetted outfitter whatever it might be wherever it might be in north america give Derek and Lacey a call and they will hook you up with the right people they've uh, been really good to us we've enjoyed developing our relationship with them over the past couple years they've been on the podcast before and they're going to be on again um, so be sure you go check out ridge rock hunt company uh, on social media and on their website dad Thanks again. Thank you, son. Thank Hope, you, listeners. Hopefully in the morning we'll fill some more tags. Yep. Got one more day, and then our season's done, so we'll give it a shot. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you guys again next week for another podcast. See you then. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv